buddy. Hey. How are you? I I feel like I have been like just today. I'm like, okay, the the holidays are definitely over now. That's that's all done, isn't it? Everybody's because it's, it's such a weird way back in. And yesterday was Martin Luther King Day. Um, he's the guy that's based on a statue in Boston, I think. Um, <laughs> Are you thinking of Martin Luther, or do you just not understand <laughs> Martin Luther King at all, or or how statues work? No, I was uh, I was making a joke as if I just skimmed the news like some sort of naive. Jeff, um, your your statue has limitations. <laughs> it does. statue you have a statue of limitations i would say i have many i have many limitations no did you see do you have any opinion on the statue in our former town of boston um that it's supposed to be like coretta scott king and martin luther king's arms as they hug each other but from many angles it kind of looks like a floating intestine i'm looking it up i have stopped subscribing to statues monthly uh, so what? I haven't I haven't gotten any of the la latest. You uh, just stick into the weekly. <laughs> we call we call it apostrophe choose news because it's all the news about statues. So choose news. <laughs> apostrophe T E S. Wow, I'm glad that you gave me a hint on that because I wasn't gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I spelled it out. I made sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a rough. That's a rough statue. That's like almost as bad as, if not worse, than the Ronaldo statue at the Madeira <laughs> Airport. I Where think is... that one's worse. This one is this one, bad at least this one's abstract. based on interpretation. Yeah, this one's abstract and dumb. That one was just like, let's have a child do the face just for like, for the motif. It's weird because um, I do feel like over the years he has started to look a little more like that statue. Like his eyes are like aging in a weird way that looks like he's not getting enough sleep. Um, wait, are we talking about Ronaldo or Martin Luther yeah, King? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, well, and Martin Luther King too in the sense that he's not like alive anymore and that statue right. is, but um, yeah. Do you, who do you, <laughs> tough question. Who do you think has done more for Manchester United? Ronaldo or Ooh. Martin Luther King Jr.? Man, I have an opinion on this. Martin Luther King Jr., friend of the pod. Um, man, I would say I'd say probably Ronaldo, but definitely he got some negative points recently where like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. has had no own goals in terms of Manchester United. Like nothing he's done has really been negatively affecting them. And I will say um, a racially integrated team, Manchester United. That's but that's where and I was going to go. That's where I was really going to go with great it. Yeah, so in a sense, the question is, who's better, every player of color of all time or Ronaldo, who, as you know, is a turd? I have an opinion. I think I think it's every player. I think it's not Ronaldo. I think Ronaldo would lose that one. I know it's an unfair hypothetical because who asks that kind of question? We do. I, I should ask that question probably in a pub or something here of like, I don't like at the time that Martin Luther King was like getting people like the right to ride buses and vote and do like pretty basic things in America. Like how cool were they over here? I feel like they weren't that cool. The one thing I know about like sort of 60s and 70s era UK racism is they had a show called like Oh god, it has like a terrible title. Like even the title is like slurific and it's like 
Like it's well, let's, like some, let's be careful with how we introduce it into yeah, the <laughs> it's like it's like my neighbor the slur. <laughs> like that's the name of the show. So that's the high concept that they went with. Oh, the this person lives next door. Uh, this is the predecessor to can you believe a white guy and a black guy are friends premise? This is can you believe a white guy and a black guy are enemies? <laughs> They're so I, close. That that's like such boring like racial based fiction. Like there's so many other things you could do that while still problematic would at least be an interesting concept. True. Although I do at the time in a lot of places I think that was basically also documentary. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, that was can, how the world was. Can I ask you one more hypothetical? Uh, of course. For all of the young Arsenal fans, yes. Nicholas Bentner hmm. has has been more important to them or St. Nicholas? Ooh, St. Nicholas, famously got you. red and white <laughs> to his core. Well... Let every Arsenal fan uh, as a young child was getting Christmas presents hand-delivered from St. Nicholas. So yeah. I'd argue that... But he gave that... them to a lot of the other clubs as well. You but know that what doesn't... I mean? All right, that fine. Let's, it just, out. let's take. Let's just say he doesn't give them to the little Arsenal fans. Suddenly they hate him. I feel like they're appreciating those gifts, regardless if someone in Watford is getting presents. I mean, yes, I think in the, I guess I should thank Santa for not singling out our team to be the only team <laughs> to have a presence ban because that definitely would have set Arsenal ban. back. Like, I mean, there would be really, really tough to get the youth set up involved if we were cut off from the North Pole. Cut to Arsene Wenger being like, all of the little boys were on the the, the nice list uh, this year. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> where are you going with that? Well, oh, you know where I'm going with that. I'll, I'll, I was like, I'll I just he wasn't. But you I'll were. park. I'll park the car at the end of the driveway, though. I'll, I'll give you some space. I will uh, turn this thing around. God damn it! All right, emotional stability, FC Jeff. What does this mean to you? emotional stuff uh very very little um it was it was not any of the teams that i watched this weekend what does it mean to you to me it means uh arsenal who we have been talking about as the temporary front runner uh on this podcast pretty much since like what like the third week of the season uh like right. pretty pretty soon on it was clear arsenal were like performing really well for the beginning of the season and it was it and there was yeah. a certain moment in time where i think they became genuine contenders for the title and i think that was this week is going to be my i think that like i know that they've got a quite a lead but it's like the lead is getting to the point where it's late enough in the season that that lead is going to be a point where that lead is insurmountable even if arsenal were to like implode for the last few weeks of the season you know like there is a certain mm. point where you have the, the math to win and beating Spurs, uh, not not that I'm going to take uh, the description of that match away from you, but like I, I saw the North London Derby, and in my mind it was like, okay, no, Spurs not. I mean, they're playing poor for Spurs, but they have great players, and all of those great players were shut down. Uh, so for me, emotional stability FC is Arsenal, and emotional stability FC is actually United as well. Uh, this might be the first podcast where <laughs> you and I have like nothing to complain about. I was, uh, you know, I should have guessed that because I was going to say it's not often that we're both going into an episode. A happy. good mood. <laughs> but after Derby weekend, things are feeling pretty good over here at Arsenal and United United. 
Doesn't it feel like this weekend, for just like a few days, COVID never happened? Like, like the joy of... <laughs> yeah. of... <laughs> yes, that's a good... Yeah. AIDS 2. Never. I mean, for me, it hasn't. Uh... Martin Luther King was actually a boring guy because he had nothing to fight for because everybody was just, you know what I mean? Like, what was he fighting against? Everybody already had voting rights. I was going to give chilling. you all the syllables you needed to land that plane. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got it. <laughs> you did, you did, you did. Okay. But like, but so, but to get ahead of uh, talking about the, the two big matches from this past weekend that we're going to focus on, uh, would you agree that like as a fan, like as an Arsenal fan and the time you've been an Arsenal fan, isn't this the most emotionally stable you have been able to feel as a fan? I'm putting words in your mouth, but. Skylar, I'm climbing light post and screaming at strangers. No, I do not feel emotional stability. I feel, I feel great. I feel fantastic even, but uh, stable, maybe not the way to describe me. Although I think for a lot of, I think for a lot of the players of Arsenal, they seem to be, for a bunch of like 23 year olds, they seem to be handling it quite well of like, we're on a very big stage. There's a target on our back, you know, like, and I think in, in, I think in some premier league seasons being the front runner for like end of fall, beginning of the new year is almost a trap because it just, it just makes everyone that much more worried about you. It makes, I mean, even just to the level of like, I'm pretty sure everybody else was watching our game. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, like the actual players and staff involved, like obviously sometimes those guys are going to watch it anyway, but it's like, there's just more known. We're not flying under the radar in fifth like we have been in previous seasons, you know? Right. The, tar- the target on your back exists in ways that it hasn't, uh, at least as long as we've been on this podcast. Uh, but maybe as sure. long as my memory of your Arsenal fandom would be that you picked it up in grad school about a little over a decade ago, right? And yeah. and as a result of that, that, that decade has been barren for both of our clubs. So I'm guessing it's like, a little bit this, less barren for years, but yeah, thank you for lumping yourself into that. No, but I, it has been. We haven't won like a major trophy since Ferguson retired, and that was a decade ago. Okay. But yeah, since grad school, you have at least the one title. I mean, the, the interesting thing about this, and I don't want to like go too far, and I definitely don't want to jinx anything, but like through the first 18 games of a season, this is the best Arsenal have ever played. Like, This is the best 18 games that Arsenal have ever had. And, I mean, they're not far off from being... There are only a few teams, like a recent Liverpool, a recent Man City. I forget the other one. I looked up this stat the other day. But, like, basically there's, like, four teams that have ever had a better beginning of the year than this. And even that is almost unbelievable to me because we've won or we've, we've lost one and we've drawn two. So that is pretty damn near perfect i mean we dropped seven points this entire season you know that's that's pretty good <laughs> you know hey, well has it been 18 or 19 matches remind me how deep in the I season i believe it's 18 but now you're making me want to check so that if you were just looking at an 18 game spell like that's as good or maybe mathematically better than that ridiculous spell that ole had when he went from interim manager to real manager and forgot how to manage the second he signed the contract but like that that period was like a a period of games in the teens and it was like our best stretch ever you may have just had a better longer stretch than that um it's it really what it it, it, and like we'll get into this um 
at some point, I'm sure. But like, it's 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 all about injuries, right? Like you you lose Partey, I lose Casemiro. Any of these things happen, it's like suddenly the trajectory we're on is no longer possible. Like those yeah those bedrocks make it possible. Like losing Jesus is one thing, but what if you lost Enketia? Or like, what if you lost like another one right. of your goal scoring options? Suddenly, that's like even with a great rest of the team, that's maybe too much of a loss to to him. That the team doesn't isn't functional anymore when you start missing that much top level talent. But I think your lead is enough where like you could get an injury and like maybe still win the league. So like it's you're getting into the period where like if you are able to add three to six more points to that lead at any point over city over us over Newcastle, <laughs> um, <laughs> then that, that might change things, right? Like you might start to be like, we might, yeah. we might win the title this year. And then you might be able to suddenly be comfortable with the idea of that. Right. I mean, I don't think I'm going to be comfortable until stoppage time is over in the final game of the season. Even if we've won it a few games before that, I think I just, until I don't want to, you'd never know if they dock points, what could happen? But I do think like this, I mean, I'm go, I'm going out of order here, but the, the Arsenal and Manchester United um, being happy at the same time club is probably not going to be a thing on the next podcast, considering the next fixture that we have where Arsenal right. play Manchester United. Let's, um, let's, let's save that juicy bite, <laughs> but I will, you know, like it, I think that's going to be such a key game because if, if, if one or the other of us win, then, you know, that three point swing is pretty huge or six point swing, really. So it's like either you're going to be six points behind us essentially halfway through the year, which means who knows, like maybe maybe Neville was right. Maybe you'll win the league or we're going to be 12 points that, ahead, which don't like you think he's don't you think he said that to like just be in papers the next day? So like, I don't know. I don't know that you need to worry about that in your calculus. I mean, it's an interesting, like, he's not as far wrong as it seemed at the time, though, because you do have a game against us immediately. So if you manage to win that, and then if you also, if you just look at it in terms of form, like, if you lop off the first two to three weeks of this season where you guys were the worst Manchester United has been maybe ever, I don't know. No, no, long... the worst since the last game of the last season. <laughs> <laughs> um but if you do that, then I think suddenly it it really doesn't. It's not quite as crazy as I thought then. Although it's not the bold proclamation that I would make if I was in charge of being right. It's the bold proclamation I would make if I was in charge of getting lots of attention and making soccer nerds on Twitter main. Are you? Would you say maim? I meant to say mad, but I think like midway through I was you thinking about thinking saying memes? angry. So oh. then I just said mang like a like, <laughs> like as if some I was guy. Like, like a bit character in Grand Theft Auto Vice City, like, all right, man. <laughs> and you're like, why couldn't the like uh, Latino guy who's doing the getaway car driving just sound like a Mark or a Kyle? <laughs> like he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have to sound like. Uh... I actually grew up here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that would be great in GT Six if they have some characters that seem like stereotypes, and but we just have like dialogue in the car where they're like, no, man, that's fucked up. Like, why would you? Make those assumptions on me like the past five GTAs did. You know, that would be amazing if like, so like they're taking you to the job and they're like, you are a mang, mang, mang. And then like when they get out, they're like, actually, dude, I was just trying to hype you up before. We need to be serious and cool headed right now. This is my normal voice. 
and I was just kind of taking the piss earlier, trying to get you in the zone. Let's get away with robbery. Let's get away with robbery would be a really funny subtitle for GTA Six. Like <laughs> breaking it down there, in case you didn't know what what we're about, our thing. I would like like if that was a series of Taskmaster where the show became so popular that they gave all the contestants like a get out of jail free card, but they all had to go and like whoever shoplifted the or not even shoplifted, like you could do a full on heist, but whoever took the most valuable thing, they would return them. Yeah, like it's it's but all what, for what if just security, a prank, bro? It's just a prank. But, but what if the scouser, like security guard, shoots famous comedian? Uh, well, that's why it can't be in the U.S. But in the U.K., they would just get stabbed. So pretty much. Oh, you're saying live. just no guns? Well, no, because. Are you well, facing... I guess that's true. I guess there are people with guns specifically to stop crime. So maybe maybe my premise is not going to work after all. I Did you I ever? Did you ever see the movie Run, Fat Boy, Run with Simon Pegg where he runs the London Marathon? No. So he plays a security guard who just tries to chase after people who are shoplifting, but he kind of just like gives up and, and that like brings you into the premise of the film. Like, why is this out of shape guy running a marathon? Um, Wait, I thought you had Simon seen Pegg it. Simon Pegg is the fat guy in those movies? Yeah. What? I know, I right? I thought he was the skinny blonde guy. No, they pegged him as the fat guy. Oh wait, no wait. You're thinking so of Simon Nick Frost. Pegg, Simon in the Cornetto trilogy. That's also Simon Pegg, right? Simon Pegg is the skinny guy in the Cornetto trilogy, but in yes. Run, Fat oh, Boy, okay, Run, okay, which okay, is okay. not a part of that. Because for a uh, second, I thought that I had the the actors' names flip flop in my head <laughs> this entire time. Okay, go on. You think of I think is it Nick Frost is the guy yes. you're thinking of? Yes. Of the two of us, who is Simon Pegg and who is Nick Frost? <laughs> I'm I'm definitely fatter than you. But I don't think it's about that. It's about like personalities. Like remembering like the end of Shaun of the Dead where like Nick Frost is a zombie who's just like playing video games in the shed. Like who is the more juvenile? I would say maybe me. Mm, you're oh, the you're one in that way. Cuz I feel like I'm I'm the more like um like lazadaisical and self-indulgent of the two of us. Like the guy who's like going to just like sit around and be lazy and eat ice cream, I feel like is more likely to be me. I feel like you don't know me after all these years. Jeff. <laughs> okay. So we're both the Nick Frost character and yeah, we desperately like, need a Simon Pegg in our life. I bet you I've eaten more ice cream more recently than you is my, is my guess. <laughs> oh man. I actually just went recently. Um, we somehow got access to like a U.S. A grocery Air Force store. base that's here. Well, basically, so it's like it's it's like they teleported a U.S. grocery store here. Oh, so and... you get the American brands? They just overnight them from like DC. Oh, now that I'm in, now that I'm in the kitchen, I can even show you. Boom! Product placement, not an ad. Uh, Pop tarts. I got yeah, that... you know, cookies and cream Pop tarts now. They got. All I've had yeah, I've had those years ago, Jeff. And what I learned was, oh wow, there's a new. New flavor of Pop Tarts, and then I get it. I'm like, all of these are bad. <laughs> what? You don't like Pop Tarts? All Pop Tarts. Well, if you could eat something that looks kind of similar, that's not a Pop Tart, you'd be better off choosing that. Kind of. They're similar. very the the pastry is just there's so much sugar in it, and it is so not sweet that it's confusing. It's like they're wasting sugar. Really? I feel like they're very sweet. You no, maybe the icing. do eat more ice You're cream. You're thinking of the icing? The yeah. the pastry, it is like bread texture. 
I do like, I feel like this has gone by the wayside now, but for a while there, like in, in like the tens, the 2010s, everywhere was doing like gourmet, like pop tarts on the menu. And those were fantastic. Like on Instagram. Yes. On Instagram, I got a homemade weed pastry that was shipped to me from like Portland or San Francisco or something. It was like pop tarts. I remember. Wait, did you have one of them? <laughs> yeah, you gave me one before my flight. Oh, I may have timed <laughs> it, it. I may have timed it for your visit. Did it work? Uh, yes. Although it was one of those things where, like, like when people say, "Like, bro, don't, don't eat the whole thing," and then I was like, "Okay, I won't. I'll be responsible." And then, like later, I was like, "I could have handled it," but I probably it was probably maybe that I didn't. As long as <laughs> wait, did you you didn't? Everyone that's listening to the podcast is like, please give me the details of your flight, beverage, and snack choices. It's all I want. Um, I was just gonna ask though if 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 you drank any booze with it, or if you just had the pop tart and were like, "This is the way I'm riding." Um, that's a good question because sometimes I don't, don't like remember. to I don't like to mix my peanut butter with my jelly. It's sketchy. You don't know what's gonna happen on a flight, especially. But like, I maybe, but like, just like a a little pint of jelly, <laughs> which is a bad metaphor because a pint of beer is what I mean. Like one, you know, a what I mean? pint of jelly is like disgusting. That's a lot. That's a lot of jelly. It's just a, a pint. A, just like, you have to get one jar and then another. That's a pint. That this is a funny idea for like a YouTube series where you're like, who will eat uh, jelly on camera? And everyone will be like, oh, I'll do it. And then we're like, okay, if you can complete this challenge. And then like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, you've got to eat like a family sized. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's one of those things where it's like you, you take something that's good in a small dose and you make them have a large dose of it until they hate it. And I think that that's funny and I would watch that. I, oh, it's like the next hot ones. But I think the name of it really should be called Who Will Eat Jelly Camera. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Grant presents Too Much Jelly or something like something yeah. that makes it perverted. This week's guest, Yo-Yo Ma. He's like, Are oh, you, no. jelly? you jelly? You jelly? You <laughs> jelly is an event. It's so always... jelly. <laughs> if only I had like a network of famous people to interview where I could, they could be like, do you want to be the first person on you jelly? <laughs> I could totally make that work. Yeah. We all have at least like two famous people that we can contact and get disregarded by, right? Oh, do we, Jeff? Go ahead. Uh, dox yours on our podcast right now. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say I really know them. I'm just, honestly, I'm just thinking of people I've made commercials with. And some of them aren't even that famous. Like, I mean, you have, I guess I have the most famous. I've, I've made a commercial with LeBron James. That's pretty famous. But nice. after that, the next level is like flow. <laughs> and they were, that was in the same commercial. And then the next level is like Stephen A. Smith, ESPN personality. You know, Stephen A. Smith, right? I do. Okay. I do. He's famous for yelling things that, are often not true at all. Um, he's we call him Fox Sports News. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? If I were on a shoot and Flo from Progressive came over and started sensibly like flirting with me, I think I would respond. Oh yeah, she's hmm. probably older than anyone I've dated. I'm guessing, but. Yeah, I feel like I've seen her enough on TV that there's a familiarity coming from my end where I'd like kind of feel comfortable around her really overthinking this. But I feel like that's what would happen. She she is really cool. I mean, like I've spent a decent amount of time with her. It's been a long time. I wonder if she were, like I bet you that if I saw her now, she would not recognize me or remember me. But like 
Um, she is very, very funny. Like she, she, she was like Biffles with all the like, like Chris Parnell used to live on her couch and stuff. Really, like that. you know what I mean? Oh, she was. She, she came was up in, in the comedy scene, yeah, but just yeah, found like a she, niche. She was a groundling and right. all that, and like she was kind of like on the. I think like she wouldn't probably like bring this up, but like I would. But like you know, she was like on the fringes of like maybe you'll get cast on SNL at one point. You know what I mean? Sure. But I'm sure but she, she auditioned. Like, I'm sure she's auditioned for it. I'm almost sure. positive. But she's also she's also like um she's like Chris Parnell's age, maybe maybe a little younger. You know what I mean? But wait, I think Chris just, Parnell, not the guy from uh. Like Rick and Morty, like Rick's not dad. sound. Okay, not Soundgarden, right? Okay, that's what. It was. Yeah, that's Chris Cornell. Oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's also probably a very funny, very cool guy. He also slept on her couch. I don't know how to do a voice <laughs> for him. Close enough. Wait, did you ever talk politics with Flo? What, are her politics progressive? I don't remember <laughs> any specific, but yes, I would. I would bet almost anything that she did not vote for Trump. But actually, well, I shouldn't I'm, say that. I probably just like, actually did dox her because all of her, all uh, of the people that like her did vote for Trump. Rough. Really? Uh, a lot. I mean, it's... That's you, the wrong I mean, insurance company for conserv- for regressives to pick. <laughs> well, it's it's more that she... Like, you know who loves Flo is people that are our parents' age and older. And those same people, you may notice, have ruined our country at the ballot box. So, it's broad strokes. I have noticed. I've gotten the gist. <laughs> All right. Speaking of progress, speaking of progressive, do you want to talk about Arsenal's progressive display against Tottenham Hotspur? You know what I'll say? <laughs> Nothing. A, Not interested. It's, <laughs> it's it's so fun to win those games. But then for me, it's, it's weird because after the games, everyone else... Like during the game, I'm so happy when we score and I'm like hanging on the edge of every little event that happens. But then afterwards, I always feel like everyone else is like, this is the best day of my life, blah, blah, blah. And like for me, as soon as I like leave the immediate like vicinity of like where I watch the game, like if it was in the stadium, of course, or like uh, even just like as soon as I leave the pub, I just go back to being like, "Mm, it's a normal day again. Like. It's like I kind like I definitely feel better than if we had lost. That sucks. Then it then it follows me. But if we win, I'm always like, hmm, all right, well, that's good. I'm glad that that happened. Even though like in there, I was just as crazy as them. And I feel like that all changed because of douchebag celebrity Dave Portnoy, who has like become like a hardcore Tottenham Hotspur fan. And like, because like other Arsenal fans are always like. They're like, oh, I just can't wait to rub it in their faces. Like other Arsenal fans like hate Tottenham fans and think that they're like the worst human beings on earth and like really want them to like suffer and like have like the worst twist of fate happen to them. But whatever like luck of the draw I have in my life, like I really only know a handful of Tottenham fans personally and Mm. they're all like delightful. Like there was a there was a Tottenham fan in one of my old improv groups. There's actually there was another Tottenham fan in um, one of my improv classes that you met when you came to London. Shout Who out to he? Kieran, friend of the pod. Oh, he's Can't a Tottenham right fan. Yeah, he is. Um, Jeff, if only you could get some of your like British local football fan oh, either friends or acquaintances on the pod. Kieran he, listens. He might be our only listener. He's probably watching right now. Hey, Kieran. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've only had American guests on this pod. I've been doing my damnedest. 
but I feel like you have access to more like source material than me. We should. I, I I'll get I'll get us few a few Brits lined up. Kieran some, would be great. Brit cred. We've had no Spurs fans on the pod. We've had like oh, seven. We, we've had seven Arsenal fans on the pod. We've had <laughs> one uh one Everton fan Harding on the pod. Uh, I'm very close to getting us a Liverpool fan. It's very hard to schedule Ooh, LA workday against. I mean, is, what do you mean rivalry week? Just getting them on. The, what am I going to find a Portsmouth fan out here? Like, <laughs> I just United. I just met I just met my first IRL new Manchester United real friend in Los Angeles. His name is Neil Talbot. Hey, Neil. <laughs> Uh, I'm doxing you. Neil's Neil's address is uh, what's his like, credit card number? I don't know. He is Scottish, so I'm guessing it's uh, a low number. It's from way way way. <laughs> it's like seven hundred and eleven. Ooh, quick quiz. Do I only know this because I'm kind of British, or does everybody know this? What is the stereotype about Scottish people? I'll give you a hint. It has to do with the credit card. They have sex with credit cards in Scotland. That's it. No, they um, <laughs> they're they're cheap. They're supposed to be very cheap, the Scots. So and that's why shattering. it's called Scotch tape. I'm in- <laughs> I swear to God, because you I don't have to use very much of the tape. So it's like a drink, Scotsman would like no, it. No, you even. drink Scotch. You get so wasted. You knock over a vase, and you're trying to fix it. And it's that Scotch tape. It's the tape you use when you're drunk. <laughs> I hate that I will think of that every time <laughs> I ever use Scotch tape now. But I know that I will. I- it's so perfect. I need to leap to Neil's defense uh, because in the one time I've been around him, he basically covered the tab for like 10 soccer friends that came to drink together the week before uh, our local Ada side kicks off. So they, this team feels good about itself and is successful and scores goals and wins games. So they want to hang out with each other when they don't have to. I'm like going to faint. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh heavens! Wait, I'm not sure if I'm getting. You're saying because they like hanging out with, but you're they like on hanging that with team. each other. I just was brought into the okay. fold. I haven't gotten to play with them yet. I'm the one of the new people, if not the new person. Oh. They all know each other. They all like each other, and then they invited me to their January thing. transfer window. You're in. Yeah, but uh, but free <laughs> or or. <laughs> At this point, I, my my salary is a negative one hundred and eight dollars. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, roughly roughly what like Fellaini's making in China. Um, fine. Oh, but anyway, so so I met. I'm that was a long derailment of you talking about what happened Arsenal versus Spurs. But Neil, Neil's dope. Neil, if you happen to be listening to this, <laughs> Arsenal this is versus shout out Spurs, is positive, which is the segment of the show where we talk about if Skyler has Man United friends. <laughs> Yeah, Listen, but I brought um, us back from the commercial break, and I also watched your match. So uh, I, I was like going to ask. So you did watch? I felt like, from a neutral perspective, it would have been a pretty entertaining match, considering the home side didn't score. Like it was. I don't. I will disagree with you. Yeah. In in that it wasn't back and forth. Like it felt like Arsenal was going to win from the second they went up one nothing, which was very early. I do think. I think if if Yoris. Is it Yoris? We're calling him Yoris, right? Like Who the is double L? Loris? Loris. Loris? Yoris? Yeah. Like Maurice, but with an L and Some older. Call and... him Loris. Anyway. He's calling Butterfingers. 
Dude, he literally <laughs> had to do the matrix to let that goal in. Like it hit him here and he like, and so if he hadn't done that, I think the game could have gone a very different way. Like I think for us scoring early away from home against a team that's coached by Conte, that is huge because if, if they had just been able to sit back or God forbid they had scored first, I don't think we're getting away. Then they'll, maybe not then they'll play like, they'll play like Newcastle in that scenario. But like, yeah, he's not like a getting back into the game kind of yeah. guy the way that I don't think like Simeone is either at Atletico. Like they're just teams where that's their plan and they win very often by like yeah. just making something happen and locking it down. But, is, is, is that how Spurs have been? What's their goal differential? It's better than, oh, it's almost the same as United's. And Spurs has played one more match, which they lost to nothing. Yeah. So, so they, so they're, they're like level on goals with us if you consider that. And we have, we've right. gotten smacked around multiple times this year. So Spurs doesn't have like a lockdown defense necessarily. They've allowed 27 you know, the- goals in, in 19 matches. But it's the ultimate game of if you switch the goalkeepers, then they win. Because they had, as much as it wasn't an end-to-end kind of game where they're generating a lot of shots and chances, they had at least two that they easily should have scored on. They had a couple others that were like solid chances where you'd expect if you get two or three of those, then one of them's going in kind of thing. And Ramsdale is just a beast. I mean, he controlled that game and, and not just the saves like he, every ball into the area he was punching out he was distributing the ball well i mean we were we were like the, i mean even like the uh i can't remember if this went all the way back to the goalie but even Saka's first goal like you look at it that's a pass that came from the back like i want to say it was like Partey? gabrielle or part yeah. might have been parte that it was like it was coming from pretty far back there and he just gets the ball and it's like oh well i guess i'm gonna keep running up here until somebody stops me wait so um, Saka forced the own goal that's what that's what happened and then yeah. it was odegaard just taking like a well-placed uh long yeah. shot from like 25 yards out which we discussed a little bit offline and oh yeah jeff know, when- for the listeners jeff said he didn't like the goal it shouldn't stand because it wasn't <laughs> yeah. beautiful enough no I, I like it when they walk it in. I, I'm an Arsenal fan. <laughs> you are, yeah, you're a classic Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it was a great shot. But I, it's funny, like, in the moment, it looked like, oh, wow, that's amazing. But, like, I, if that had gone in against us, I might have been a little critical of my goalkeeper for not, you know what I mean? Because all I would have taken was a fingertip. And, like, he's shooting from 25 yards out. Like, you ought to be able to get over there it wasn't it wasn't the same like the one that didn't score that was crazy was the one that party hit off the volley right that he hit the is, post that is one chance. of the most well-struck balls i've ever seen in any game that was incredible but he technically hit it wrong it happened to be perfect how he shit he shins it you don't have great control when you hit it with your shin you're not getting yeah. sort of the cup of your of your foot meeting your leg, sort of golfing it into the right exact spot. Like, and he well, had and the volley. Like, it was prey and it was prey and just fire, but it happened to be a laser bolt of a, of a shinning. I think to be fair to party, I think it was practice shooting long distance shots religiously for decades, prey <laughs> and fire. I think there, there was one step that you left out there, but yes. Um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty well hit. I mean, I just think, 
I just think that, you know, Spurs were a lot better than they showed in that game. There was about 15 minutes where I thought they looked really good, like coming right out of the half. And I think what that was, was Conte going, oh, yeah, remember our plan to like be dicks and to sit back and like not we have we can't do that anymore. And you can if you just want to lose one nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's it's a, it's it's a, it's a kind of a waste of that team. You know, and it's interesting because not that many years ago, I feel like they were exactly where Arsenal are now, where it's like they were the young team. They were the talk of the town. They were the ones that were like maybe challenging for the title. And then it's amazing how quickly that changes, you know, because now most of their players, you know, Harry Kane's just about done, you know, like they're 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 on the down swing of that. And right. they never really made much of it. So and Conte is not a long termist team builder the way that like uh frankly Arteta is or if you remember Pochettino doing that at Spurs or even what hopefully Ten Hag is doing now Conte is like I'm gonna scream at the 20 something guys you got and get an extra seven percent out of them until they hate me uh so like like a less funny Mourinho I was just gonna say I was like he's he's very similar to Mourinho he's like a nicer guy but also like a less fun guy Another I guy that didn't want to have a beer with either, but got my head, Mourinho. That's another guy who didn't really last that long at Spurs. Like it feels interesting because for so many years it's been Levy uh, is so great at running Tottenham. Like from a, he's such a shrewd negotiator. I'm starting to think differently about him. I feel like he, they made a lot of bad director of football decisions. He just is a stingy dick. Like that's. That doesn't mean he's good at football. It just means he says no to reasonable offers for his players and refuses to pay average rates for the ones that are bringing it. But that's it. Like, that's his skill set. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And, like, I think that there's something to that. Like, the like the if, if, you're, if I was being slightly kinder to him, I'd say that he has the balls to, like, say no and to do things. But, yeah. Do you want? Is there anything you want to say about the match? How did how did you feel at the end when it was like another obstacle overcome? I mean, you guys at this point level on games with City, but you are eight points ahead. Uh, same goal differential. I mean, basically I think what that says is you're roughly a... performing as well as City, and that you yeah. maybe have gotten a few more bounces your way, but you need that to win a league anyway. And I feel like they've had, like, I mean, they're in this weird sort of like, I mean, it's Holland is Holland is doing well and they're not. Well, kind of. Or like, is it the opposite? You know, like there's this debate around like, and even when they, when he was flying very high, like De Bruyne had like weird things to say about him in press conferences of like, yeah, just imagine when he actually gets our tactics, how well he's going to do. And like, I do think there's like, there's this weird like, I mean, people have made the point that maybe they were better last year without him. Um, I mean, granted, they don't have all the same pieces that they had last year without him. But, like, I I wonder that a little bit, too, where they were just a machine last year, where now it feels like they could have an up or a down game. You know what I mean? Like, they might beat us 5-0. We, like, haven't, we haven't seen Guardiola play with, like, a real focal point striker since, hasn't it been... I mean, I'm probably getting this wrong, but I want to say it's like David Villa, like Barcelona or something. Yeah, like a like a guy where it's like, yeah, we can we can ticky taka pass the ball around and walk the ball in, but we've also got David Villa to score 25 goals. Like this is him having to change the way that City has played for the last how long? Seven years? Like long yeah. a long time? 
And Holland is always going to score goals, but it, it, the defense looks kind of iffy. And then it might just be that they're confused with like, oh, so should we be playing tons of passes around or should we just chuck it to this freak? Maybe. I mean, the thing that I've heard is that he's not dropping back to be sort of a false nine as much as they'd like him to. Partially is probably that, because he's a game? real mind. Yeah, I, I'm not sure it is. But I mean, I, I kind of thought just because of his speed and because of how successful he was in Dortmund, which is like not a team that's like built around, you know, it's not like he was like replacing Zlatan there or something that like, I kind of thought that he would slot in a little more easily. But I think, I think like it's in this weird conundrum where he could say, I'm not getting the service I need. And then the counter to that would be like, well, because you need to participate in the buildup play, that's how this team works. Um, and so I don't know. I Hopefully they continue to implode. We play them three more times this season. And that's the other thing sort of nickeling back to what you said before about like, how do I feel about being eight points ahead? I think it's kind of a false dawn because, you know, three of those points to, you know, a direct competitor for the title now somehow in United are going to come this weekend. And then we still have another six points left between us and City. So if we drop those nine points, then it doesn't really matter. Um sure. And suddenly it's a three horse race for the title, which would have neither of us would have ever predicted when we started podcasting. And, and I still won't predict that I'm willing to anoint you guys as candidates for the title and city by virtue of their resume, even if they were five, six points further yeah. back would still be like in with the shout the way that Liverpool could be in 10th place. And you're still like, those fuckers are going to get fourth, aren't they? Like, There's a bit of inevitability to just doing it year after year after year after year. But if we lose to you this weekend, uh, and I'm assuming we beat Palace in midweek, which I can't assume, assuming we, if we lose to you in the weekend, we're still five points up on Spurs with the same matches played for from fourth to fifth. Like that's cushion in top four that I don't remember having not since that year we finished second. So like, it's weird for me. It's weird to see City failing and their version of failing is like a little bit better than our version of succeeding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like same, their failure same. their their failure is 12-3 and 3 so far and that would be a one point improvement on our best season in years. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're insanely good. They're insanely good. So I don't know. I uh, I, I would, would you put it would you put it against them figuring it out for the second half of the season? Or would you put it behind them? What's the right expression? Would you count them out for figuring it out? Uh, yeah. Um. No, no. I, I, I think, I mean, honestly, even now, like the only reason that there's any sort of fake crisis with them, they're eight points back of Arsenal. But like I said before, like this, they could take are... two, they could take six points off just with your head to heads. Well, that, and I was just saying like, like we are on a almost unprecedented point total, certainly for Arsenal, but for almost anyone, like this is about as good as a team can be sitting in the table. And so on an, even if we were very good in a normal season, we would have had like a random slip up game that we haven't had and this or that, or bad decision from a ref or whatever. And we would be six points lower and everybody would be saying, Oh, what a fun title race. That's neck and neck. But just because, you know, I think basically they're getting judged poorly because Arsenal have been on such a tear. And I don't realistically, I think if what we have to do in the next 18 games is only lose once to win the title, I don't think that that's what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, right. We're going to regress to the mean a bit here, you know, but city arguably will drop more points too. Like, it's like everyone's exhausted. There's not, although 
and I don't know if this is the bias of me hearing this from the commentators, but like, have you noticed all the teams that had a lot of World Cup players are largely playing well, and the ones that have had none have almost like kind of lost the mojo? That is a really interesting point. I that was my sort of bias too, although I'll like I would love to hear someone that like looked into it a little more, but like generally it seems like the players that competed in that tournament, even the ones that didn't do that well there, they just seem to be in a little bit better form. Fitter, sharper. You know, it's like, I think the other guys, it's like, it's amazing how quickly the sharpness, I think, I don't think they've lost the fitness, but I think that the sharpness of like, you know, just knowing, like reacting that split second faster every time. I, I think you can lose that pretty quickly. When I, when I get my fitness up for running and I like run every day for two weeks and I take like a few days off, like say if I hurt myself or whatever, and I'm coming back a week later and I'm ready to run again, I lose a lot of my lungs just for yeah. a week. So if everyone took a week off, they probably had to start over again. I don't know if you can make this full argument until the season's done because mm-hmm. I might expect to see the World Cup players do better initially and then fall off once we get yeah. to match number Looks 50, kind of 60. starts clicking up, yeah. And then you've got like Brighton is going to be like on the edge of top four <laughs> pushing their way in because they had players that had a rest and now everyone's up to speed again. Yeah. I mean, World Cup aside, there are other cups in play too that I think will have some of the same effects where it's like if you're playing midweek games every week and you're still in the FA Cup and you're in the League Cup, thank God we're not. Um, you know, that that's going to add up too. We're in four competitions right now, which is not good. Not good for us that we are. Wow, you're in all four? Yeah. Three is probably more than we can feasibly do. but (laughs) I think you can pick like one main competition, whether it be Premier League or Champions League, and one other little cup. And like that, I don't think you can really apply yourself to anything beyond that with, unless you have like cities line up. But even then, they don't win every trophy every year because how hard it is to to be excellent every three days for two thirds, three quarters of a calendar year. Yeah. Um, yeah no, all right. I think it's going to be really tough. We do have city next in the cup next week. <laughs> oh, that stinks. So you're going to play them three times this year. <laughs> I really wonder, I mean, if you're Mikel Arteta, are you just like letting the under eights play that game? And you're sort of just saying like, the... is there a rule? I thought you have to like attempt to show that it's like a senior team, but you can rotate like a little bit. I mean, I'm, even if there is, like, for us, like, that's one of the interesting moments of sport that I love that Mikel Arteta has completely taken away from me. It's like, I used to love to watch, like, right an hour before kickoff to see the lineups. And now that's boring because, like, he, he does not change that lineup. You, I can call with 99% accuracy who's going to be in the lineup every time. Um, whereas like Wenger was like always having three or four like new guys in there on, he gave a lot of young players chances that I think other managers might not have. Um, but Arteta is not that way. And so I don't know. I think for him, even like a little bit of rotation is a lot of rotation. And I think we're going to see five or six different faces that you don't normally see for that cup game, even though it is against city. Well, I hope that you win. Uh, it's weird saying that, Jeff. You know how I, you know, our relationship is complicated about your team, but it's just, I have like this active power ranking in my head. I think we did, didn't we do this like end of last year? Like, who do you hate in reverse order? Yeah, I think we did do that. I don't and remember. Like, it's like <laughs> Liverpool, Liverpool finishes first on my hatred. Or no, actually, I might have even given Liverpool more respect than City. 
by virtue of they're not owned by like an oil state. But I feel like I still want Liverpool. Guitar. I'm really enjoying this like recent Liverpool sucking. Like it feels like if we do have my Liverpool supporting friend join us, uh, I'm going to have to be a total fucking gentleman. (laughs) It's going to be very hard. It's going to be very hard to, to not savor their, their 10th place or ninth place, wherever the fuck they are right now. Um, all right, so United versus City. I think I normally talk more about United than Jeff gets to about Arsenal, so I think I'll keep this short and sweet. Everybody That's good, because I did some talking today. We are at the 55-minute mark. <laughs> well, I mean, I interrupted you. Don't worry, don't worry about it, baby. Um, uh, United versus City, I was thinking, all right, the last time we played them, we lost 6-3, and that felt like a marginal improvement over how badly we got paddled last year, like 5-1 or whatever it was, 5 nothing. It was like, it was rough. Uh, and Holland was a lot, and we also have, like, little injuries that have been kind of present. Like, we didn't have Diego, Diogo Dalo at right back. Um, Martial was iffy. Like, lot, there was some, there's some some concerns. Uh, Mar- Martinez has still not gotten back into, like, good 90-minute Martinez form yet from all that World Cup partying that he must have done. <laughs> <laughs> So it was like, oh, God, we're going to get fucked. And in the end, this team is looking more and more and more and more well-coached. Every every week that goes by, it looks like Ten Hag is like fixing all that's been broken in them mentally and intellectually from like the last two, three, four years. Um, I don't think we have the depth for a title challenge, Jeff, so I'm just going to nip that in the buttocks. Um, yeah. But no, but it was still nice on the day to beat City. What happened? Sure. We we scored, uh, or no, we, we actually conceded first after dominating them in the first half. We played really well. Like, they had all of the ball, but we had all the chances. They didn't have a shot in the first half except for, like, maybe the last few minutes. Um, and then we come out second half, and Jack Grealish scores at her. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck, <laughs> fucking fuck. Like, I'm just, like, was squ- like screaming around the apartment. Um but then what was different this time was we came back and we scored what was a hotly, hotly <laughs> contested goal. Like, Jeff, this goal was contested hotter than most of the porn that I've ever seen. It was that hotly contested. You have some weird taste, though. Um, I'm very much into questionable goal fetishes. <laughs> it, Pulling it, the keeper. You know, it's so funny because so for the the other person, we always talk about the guests that we should have, could have, would have had. But the other person I still really like to bring on is my sort of like semi. Well, I guess you could say professional referee, but he's refed all the way up to like the semi pro level. He's refed at the highest women's professional level in America. And like, so he's like a really he knows his stuff. He knows the book front to back. And I kind of like whenever there's a controversial call, I'm always talking to him about it. And. I was surprised because for me, it looked like a real open and shut case of like the Man City defender was going to get back to that ball had it not been for Rashford being in the way. But he was like, actually, it's a very marginal call. And, you know, like, he's like, well, they changed, they changed, <laughs> so they changed the rules for what offsides means every year. And I'm not saying that they change it 100% every year, but they tweak it and tweak it and tweak it. So, like, you can't even really trust yourself to remember what it is right now at a yeah. given moment. In this case, I would say, if it was my money, I would say that, yes, Rashford, Rashford's position, I would qualify as interfering with play. But apparently it's not specifically laid out 
Yeah. Like enough. It's like, and I, and I would say that if this goal was scored against me, I'd be super pissed off. Um, but because it was city and because it's like part of this United Renaissance, I kind of don't fucking care, even though I know it was of wrong. Course. It's like, it felt it was so wrong. It was right. Like, I just, I, think- I don't care how to beat them. Especially now in like the VAR era, it's like those few times that you get away with a call, you just have to like because it, it, they always go against you. So the few times that you get it, enjoy. Ever, ever since Klopp said United keep getting all these penalties in a year that we were getting, I guess, an above average number of penalties, we've gotten like one since then, and it's been like a year and a half. So like, really, wow. I I feel like he was playing like Game of Thrones, House of Cards bullshit with that press conference, and we mm-hmm. we were due. Uh, we would do like a freak thing helping us out. But then what, what wasn't a freak thing was Rashford scoring the winner that Garnacho just made out of nothing. That was a crazy goal. The way he just like that little loop de- like, I mean, that was pretty amazing. When he's 20, he might be the best player on our team. Like he, he, he What's has his like, deal? I don't know him that well. So he was in our academy. I think we got him from the Atletico Academy when he was 15. Uh, oh. like whenever he was allowed to to move, he moved. Might have been sixteen. He played 16 in our sixteen for a professional contract here, where you can't get one there. Oh, I love that move. Well, so f- fuck Atletico. Like, let's yeah. just stack up all the teams. I don't care if they cry or not. Um, sure. But he came over. He was dominating at the youth level to the point where he was pretty much why we won the youth uh cup last year. Mm. Uh, and so naturally he started getting opportunities during the preseason tour and he started getting opportunities you know after a few weeks of actually getting in trouble for like showing up late for meetings uh the same the same the same reason rashford got half benched uh a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. was late for me like ten hog is like these are the rules if my mother breaks them she's getting benched um so Love that. I don't know the same way it works look at what's happened he's got this young kid on a great path He's got like I, I can't think of a player on our team that's trending in the wrong direction. Either they're staying wow. as good as they were, they're slightly improved, think about or it, they're yeah. very improved. Like you've got players like your Maguires and your Lindelofs that I don't think he's turning water into wine here, but I feel like they are more stable and sturdy now as rotation than they were last year as one of a starting back four you know what i'm saying like i feel like mm-hmm. he's going even aaron wambasaka who i thought was a hilarious paper mache player uh he we were gonna sell he him was and then, to the build-up of that first goal he's almost like fine like he's like the, <laughs> like he 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 i want to say he got partial blame for for leaving Grealish open on the far post for that easy header but his passing is improving at one point, he dribbled through three city players by himself, which I was like, wow. "What is it? Your birthday? What's going on?" <laughs> um, I'm not saying that that he is gonna displace Dalo. I think Dalo has the more complete offensive skill set, more confident offensive skill set. But like, Ten Hag is like just fixing everybody, making them usable, and that like the sum is becoming even maybe better than the sorry the. What's the expression? Our team is Greater playing than better. Parts. Yeah, I think yeah. we've got some parts that don't fit, and he's like getting kind of a tune out of them. Yeah. Um, and like for example, like we've Anthony Anthony Martial is our starting striker on paper. Nobody wanted him last season. He still missed half of the fucking season from injury. 
apparently we play better when he's there. Like Ten Hag is like making it work. If yeah. we get new owners, which we will talk about in just a minute for right. just a minute, um, I think that he could do wonders if he's getting like first choice players to fill in some of the holes that we've had for years. Um, but yeah, so in the end, we 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 had a two goal like three minute turnaround to go from one down to two, one up. And then the last few minutes when you're thinking, uh oh, City's gonna take a goal from you, we just shut up shop. There was really yeah. no big chance to speak of in the last five minutes of the game and five minutes of stoppage. Like it was it was great. And I, and That's then I was awesome. like in a, I was in a good mood for the rest of the weekend. I watched your match the next day and I was like, I don't care what happens. If Arsenal lose, <laughs> we're in the title hunt. And if Arsenal don't lose, top four is feeling pretty firm. Like it was like a uh, good okay. win win for you. Yeah, I was like, I have no reason to be upset except for all of the things in my personal life that are a reason to be upset. <laughs> Just that. Um, do you want to quickly talk preview? We we alluded to it earlier. The fourth ever El Meet the Sakarico Derby. I wish you were here or I was there for this one, Jeff. Feels like it would be a good one to do, to do together. That but would be cool. Um, yeah, that'd be very cool. I think I think it's a really interesting time for the teams to play because they're both basically. I think these two teams are playing as good as these two teams can play. Um, I think these matches so often, you know, it's the home field advantage that carries the day. And you have that. And we have that. So I think that's a huge thing in our favor. But But United has all their fans living in London, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I I also just I wouldn't count you guys out right now. You're too good. So So what what do you think is going to happen? Like whether it's like some either it's, it's shocks or no shocks with the lineup. Does Arsenal thrash us in your opinion? Uh, what's what what is the result and how does it impact your season or not impact your season? I think both teams could win this game. I don't think it's something where I'm like, I really can look into my crystal ball and see one team winning um, mm-hmm. or the other. I do think like if if you guys score first, that changes the game a lot. I think if we score first at home, like the Emirates have been pretty good, you know, pretty much a fortress this year. So I mean, our only loss came away at Old Trafford, so we have not lost at home. I think, but I want to talk. I want to mention that because when we beat you guys at Old Trafford, this is what I'll say: Arteta made a bad strategic choice, which we discussed on the podcast that at that moment in time. And I totally uh, remember it. And I think it was it was mostly that like he played to our strengths and let mm-hmm. us hit you guys on the break. At that point in time, I don't want to. Th- I don't think the whole team was settled. And I don't think the whole team had gotten to like the this is the way Ten Hag plays. I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think the team I think the team yesterday was playing better than the team that beat Arsenal. But I don't think that earlier team would have beaten Arsenal if Arteta had maybe been mm-hmm. a little bit more wise to how we would want to play. But I think and- if you'd taken the game away from us, then I think that you would have tied or won that earlier sure. match because we weren't ready. I think that we are playing better now. But you're right home and away is swapping so i well, think it's I mean, you hard bring up to a good predict. point because the last time we met arsenal were riding very high and you guys were about as low as you could be and like this I mean, turned that it was around a, or liverpool a, turned it around right and then was this the next one or i thought it, i thought we were like the first United. like good win you had but I, I could be wrong but it, it definitely i remember it feeling very much the opposite whereas um i don't know i mean you guys could really you could really change the season if you win this weekend so please don't um Wait, so I'm going back. I'm going back. It looks like we... So this is what happened. We beat 
So our first win of the season was the third match of the season. We beat Liverpool 2-1, and everyone was like, holy fuck. Little did they know, that's more indicative of Liverpool not being that great this year. Mm. Then we edged out Southampton and Leicester on consecutive 1-0s. So that was like a very shaky platform to build on. But you're right. we had funny. A- I don't remember you guys being riding high off three wins. Because I we, think you we were still beat- very not confident in this team. It was a surprise that we beat you guys because you were undefeated. And we had had like a couple of like, yeah, you should be beating them if things aren't on fire. But then the next match, four days later, we lost one nothing to Real Sociedad in the Europa League. So like it was still very mm-hmm. much like a... I, I think we, we were... That was the first match that Ten Hag was like, I want them to control the match, but maybe we should just counter. Whereas now, like, yes, we play that way against City, but all of the other matches after the World Cup, we have not played. We played controlling the match. So, like, I think you think that, that you'll come out trying to play toe to toe, even though it's an away game. I mean, it is an away. No, game. we'll play. Well, I think we'll play you the same way we just played City. Yeah, it's actually but who knows? Who knows? Probably the best possible preparation to play us you know the 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 guardiola arteta coaching tree is those are very closely aligned in the forest of coaches and our and our defense has vastly improved uh so i this is what all right so did you pick a score i feel like i want to pin you down on a score because i've got i've got one in mind i all right i'll be optimistic and i'll say 2-1 arsenal but i could i could see any number of things happening in this game I think I think these are two good teams, relatively evenly matched. I believe it'll finish one-one or two-two. Mm. But good result be, for you then. Honestly, yeah. Like I don't think you can expect to just win every match as us no. when when you can hardly rotate. Like we play Palace tomorrow, and I want to rotate against Palace, and we've lost to Palace in recent times. So like it's, I don't know, man. It feels like you just need to have like twenty great players, and we don't. We don't have 20 great players. We have mm. 15, 14. We might Maybe have players. Wow. That are... 15 is a lot. That's more than we have. But I, all right, sorry, great is unfair uh, because who's great and who's not great. You get in that whole argument. But I feel like we have, let's say, 15 players that don't need to leave that we can keep playing with and build around, even if it's like only for a couple of years. And the thing that also worries me is that most of your team is has got five to ten years in front of it so like Hmm. you guys have a very young team you're like the united states of the premier league we are the youngest team in the premier league which is kind of a crazy thing and we're definitely not because we got an old goalie we've got you know borderline 30s with veron casemiro mcguire lindelof shaw's 27 or so uh bruno like we we have a lot of players in our primes we're gonna need to like turn over this roster again the next couple of years, which I'm hopeful can happen if we get taken over. Um, which which today the all the news coming out today is uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, richest Britain, Britendom, uh, <laughs> and his company Ineos, which is like a chemical refinery. So I'm sure we're gonna find out that they've killed like whole species of flying squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> but like. They apparently are, they made a press release saying they're bidding. So it's not even like it was leaked. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. They're bidding. Wow. Um, and that might be a consortium that has Ratcliffe's money, and he's the face of it as a United fan. Ineos money, maybe Middle East money as like part of it, but not all of it. Yeah. Who knows? 
Uh, but we're going to be finding that out in the coming weeks. And so I'm sure you will, uh, if it ends up being a Saudi group that takes over, I'm sure you will nail my ass to the wall uh, about that. And I'm going to have to like become a, a Sotten fan or something. Can I, can I give you a preview of whatever happens? Sure. The person that buys you is going to be a billionaire or a group of people who are very near billionaires. And all of them are bad people. <laughs> Every single one. So... There's no one that could buy you that I'm not going to have at least some tiny amount of leverage on you now to be like, oh, it's okay to kill some grandmas, huh? And okay my, to kill some and, flying squirrels. Not all flying squirrels, huh? And, and my promise to you is that the Cronkies are next. So, like, let's just hold each other as we fall, as we plummet down on the earth. If someone yeah. offered the Cronkies $4 billion, you think they're going to go, nah. I think that they wouldn't take $4 billion because they... But Chelsea Spotify, was going for that. The Spotify guys just got offered him three, I think, and they like didn't even have a sniff of it. But now all of a sudden it's takeover fever, like Liverpool and United being yeah. taken over at the same time. And then that's not even saying this won't happen in other leagues, but it seems like it's like England is in particular like, yeah, give me that but money. <laughs> I do wonder if any, like... You know what I mean? Like, say you're sitting at a poker table in a casino, and you're doing pretty good. You're maybe not the biggest stack at the table, but you're doing all right, and nobody can push you around. You got some money. And then you see, like, Elon Musk sit down, and you're like, okay, I've got to knock down the pecking order one. There's another rich guy. And then you see Warren Buffett sit. You know what I mean? Like, once once everyone at the table, you know, like, there's going to be, Newcastle's going to be this crazy force now. You guys are not going to be run by the Glazers anymore soon. Maybe Liverpool is going to become PSG West. Um, you know what I mean? And West. Can you do that though? They're both in the same European competition. That is a weird, I mean, I'm sure they won't be owned by the exact same group, but it is a weird, there's probably going to be something incestuous there. But Liverpool meet PSG in the quarters. Sure. Which team gets threatened with execution if for winning? (laughs) Yeah, both twist. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, that's a tough one. Um, but I do think like, like the premier league is already maybe too competitive. And like to the point where it's like it's maddening as a fan at times because like you really cannot count on like that fourth place trophy that we used to love so much at Arsenal. Um, and I think that that's only going to get crazier. So if I were the Cronkies and they're, they're basically running the club at cost from what I can tell, or if anything, it's like slightly in the red because football teams are bad investments. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they cashed out, but I think it'll take more than four mil. I think they're not selling Arsenal for less than five or six. By the way, billion. Sorry, I, I would never. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sell it for... I, I should have said Bill, because uh, they, but they only four million for us. For one billion ish. How much? So like, I mean, I think they, I think like all in, it was like one point something billion. So they could cash out to with acquire? a few cool bill. Like I think yeah, that's, that's like, like a, a yeah. several hundred percent ROI. That's unusually good. Pretty good. Pretty good. But I don't know. The other thing with them, though, is like they own all those teams. And I know that in the back of their mind, they have all these like economies of scale of one day we're going to have the crunky sports network and the whatever. And so letting go of your crown jewel. I hope that we're their crown jewel. Um, that might be tough. No, it's the Colorado Rapids, Jeff. They are the ones. They're the pedestal. <laughs> the Denver Nuggets, I believe. <laughs> Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, there's, I wish there was more to talk about, about the take, like, I wish it was happening, but right now it's just like, somebody said that they want us. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah. It's going to suck right. if Liverpool Final. get like the big money injection and we get like responsible ownership. <laughs> That'll suck. You guys, cause you guys could like, 
like the Cronkies to me are such a cut above the Glazers, but they, you know, they're not an Abramovich circa pre-Ukraine war. You know what I mean? They're not somebody that can just come in and completely change the fate of your team. You know what I mean? Like, if anything, it's like a slow burn with them of like, we're going to hire young, articulate coaches who have great plans. We're going to get more young. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's very like farm to table with them. Farm to table? There's no other stops involved? <laughs> No, but it, you know, it, I mean, literally in the sense of your farm system, but it's a, uh, it's it's not something where they're going to come in and shake up the world. It's something where they're just going to slowly manage the club a little better than it was before. Until you know, I mean, it's been what ten years with them, and they're just now having their first real title challenge. Well, maybe one or two other ones, but to be fair, it's been like two coaches. Other than oh, other than that moment of Lester insanity, it's been like two coaches that have kind of owned things for like the last mm. eight years. Yeah, and isn't it kind of nice to think of a world where like there's more than like there are coaches that we don't know about that are going to be better than Guardiola and better than Klopp. And like, I'm not saying Ten Hag is that now, but he could be. So far, it's like he's doing as well as them, but with several months of build up time instead of several years and transfer windows. I I definitely put him in the same class. I put I put Ten Hag in the highest class of coach in my book. Do you think Arteta sure. Ten Hag is a two way uh, two horse race for manager of the year at this point? Maybe with the dude who's managing mm. Brighton as the as the third one. I can't remember Deserbic. Is that his name? Mm, Dessert bitch. I think the guy the guy who no. replaced Potter. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't remember his name. Deserbi. Deserbi. Uh, does maybe, he yeah. does he deserve me to be manager of the year? <laughs> yeah, that I think that I think he would have a better chance if it was going to be like Guardiola winning the league again because they they don't like boring things. Like I forget, I think that Arteta has more coach of the like Premier League coach of the month awards or manager of the month awards than um, Wenger ever got in his entire career because it's like yeah it's kind of boring to give it to him you know what i mean probably similar for ferguson where it's like it's always going to be given to like the like scrappy southampton manager who's like won a bit more than he was supposed to do you do you think that there's okay can you even see beyond arteta at this point jeff or are you like arteta's gonna be our manager till he's got gray hair and then he's doing like hair club for men ads instead of just being a customer (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Arteta will never have gray hair for one thing. Look at that man. Um, I, you know, I think we should we should be so lucky to have him. Like, if he was our next Wenger, I would. I think. I, I think we'd be fools not to sign him to a twenty year contract because he's very very good. Like, and I think that he is. If anything, like to me, Arsenal are on that like Atletico Madrid level, and maybe that's like, even rounding up of like tier one B. Yeah, where it's like, it, you know what I mean? Like, if, if Barcelona came calling him, where he was in their academy, and he gets to move home, and he gets to have, you know, not now Barcelona, but let's assume Barcelona gets back to be in Barcelona soon, and it's like, you know, them and Will they, they though? I feel like they fucked them. And, like, if they don't, like... They have mortgaged an awful money? lot of the future, haven't they? Like, Yeah, yeah like, what more can they do when they're, when they're... What happens when their 34-year-old striker turns 35? Yeah. No, it's a good question. Um, they, but then in that case, in a weird way, 
wouldn't that make all the more sense to hire a guy like Arteta who's not used to having Barcelona resources and can like be good? So I don't know. I, I do think that he he's probably one of the most attractive managers in the world that somebody might want to poach, especially if you're Spanish. Um, I thought you meant attractive managers in the world that somebody might want to be attractive also to. Also one of the most attractive managers in the world if you might want to have sex with a manager. <laughs> um, not bald enough for me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you like your frauds. All right, Jeff, I feel like I'm running out of non-work uh, time here, but do you have any transfer updates you want to talk about your about Madrid? <laughs> you mean their dick, not our, not Madrid at all. But um yeah, that was I got that one got to the point where I was like this isn't set in stone, but I'll be very surprised if it doesn't happen because it really looked like the stars were aligning on that deal and I think I think I'm pretty much in agreement with everyone at Arsenal. Like, I think that they were pretty upset that that didn't happen. Um, did you hear? Did you hear the details that came out where they're like, we the the money was similar that was yeah. offered by Chelsea. It was just that they would pay us a little faster, and yeah. then they're going to donate a quarter of the transfer fee to the war effort. And I'm just like, oh my god! Like, imagine this this 21 year old player who's been kind of living in the war. It's like you're going to go to one of Putin's. That former vassals and don't worry though they're going to give us some of the money like they're we're, yeah. like i'm sure that won't end up in some corrupt charity like i'm sure that's going straight to the front lines it's, it's going to like the ukrainian orphan rehoming fund which is russian soldiers like <laughs> stealing <laughs> ukrainian children uh well, no, he sounds I, like he sounds like he's going to be a good player, but it's unfortunate that he chose maybe one of the most dysfunctional big teams in the league, if not the most dysfunctional. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's it's funny because on the one hand, they have about seven forwards that are like household names now, but on the other hand, whatever they got is not working. So maybe he'll walk into that team. I mean, I was just starting to let myself like watch the highlight videos and like really get pumped to have him, and I do think. He would be such an interesting guy to have in the mix now that we don't have Jesus for the next couple months because he just he just loves to pick up the ball and run by five people. But then there is that little thought, and granted, I didn't want to have it until he became a Chelsea player, but like it's probably harder to run by Premier League players than Ukrainian League players. And so we'll see how well he can keep doing that. Um, I think he is a really good player. I think... Uh, Arsenal were already probably overpaying with what we offered. And so I did say on the last podcast, man, he's a 40 million, he's a 40 million dollar player, really. That like that's what he but, was over the summer. Over the summer, he was 20. But that's what's happening with all Leverkusen, I want to say. With with all these clubs that understand that the Premier League is the destination, they're just jacking it up because it's like someone's gonna be stupid enough to give it to me. It does like, because okay. the other thing that I will say on my soapbox at times is like Arsenal also have to realize that like the high point for us is to be a, the Dortmund of England. And so at some point, this young team that we have, we need to restock it. And there's going to be some hard decisions made when we have like a 27 year old Saka or a 27 year old Martinelli and some of these players that have become really good. But like, do we want to sign them forever for crazy money? Or do we want to make, I mean, if he is worth a hundred, what is Saka worth? You know what I mean? And would anyone in England pay us that probably not because it's only going to come from england really maybe with the exception of two or three other clubs outside of that but i mean i want to say we've hit the bubble for like what insane money players can be 
But the table stakes are getting raised. It's time for a takeover. It's it's Todd Bowley being like 120 for Enzo Fernandez, a guy that's had like half of a season of professional football. Yeah, we think that that's a reasonable thing to pursue. It's like insane. And and all all of the big clubs, frankly, have been part of it. Like PSG with the Neymar purchase, us with um, Pogba, Lukaku. Like like we by by like paying it anyway. All of our clubs are saying yes, and we'd like to pay it again. Like, like we're yeah. like, this is not going to change, but I don't know how it's going to change. Money just keeps matriculating in. Yeah, it's not there's no there's no sort of like future legislation in in sight because if you legislate the Premier League, then guess what? Spain suddenly becomes a place that doesn't have that legislation. So send your players here, more money here. Right. Like it, capitalism, no, I think the snake just... that eats itself, Jeff. Yeah. I think that I think that the money's only going to get crazier, um, and ultimately, I think it'll be it'll be tough for the teams that are paying their own bills the way that our teams are. Um, I think that's going to be yeah, it's going to be tough. The one thing that I'll say in Arsenal's credit, I think we tipped our hand here because now teams know, oh, they'll pay a hundred million. You know what I mean? They got a, they're ready for their You've next Nicola Pepe. Yeah, well, but, like, but 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 Pepe was the example of like the, why we shouldn't why do this because if he's thirty, you can maybe get, sell him for fifteen, and then it's like okay, this almost never happened. When it's seventy, everyone's like, well, we're not going to pay you what you'd want, and we don't want to pay what he's worth. Like you know, you, yeah, you get stuck. I think the one thing that you can say to their credit though is like they. I think there was like a chance for us to keep bidding the price higher, or you know, and this one is like so interesting because. It actually is not even about the price tag per se. It's about the details of the payment structure. But like, I think realistically, like Arsenal are losing money every year for the last few years. Most clubs are because of the COVID stuff. So it's like, and because we spread the payments out, so we're still paying for like Nicola Pepe, for instance. But yeah, I think that I think that they 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 have a reputation for sticking to their guns and not getting into bidding wars and saying like, look, this is our valuation of a player. We think it's more than fair. Call us back. And we've had some incredible buys in the transfer window that, you know, Odegaard, like Zinchenko, Jesus. If you look at Gabriel or uh, Ben White, like uh, Gabriel, um, Saliba, like all of these buys have been fantastic. So I think, I don't know, in my mind, I'm, I, I said before, I'll be happy if they stick to their guns and we don't get him if that's what it comes down to. And it sounds like we almost did. I think they got us to stretch a bit more than we would have normally. You were, you were bi-curious. <laughs> we, were, we were quite curious. <laughs> well, I hope, Jeff, that... Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how, what I hope. I hope that you are happy, but not too happy. Probably <laughs> the same way that you wish for me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're happy. But you I, hope that I'm happy I, enough I that you lose the title? <laughs> I don't hope you're that happy. See, there's a limit to how happy you want me. You want me just right in that, like, he's happy enough like, he won't kill himself, but he's... FA Cup happy for you. <laughs> Premier League happy for me. <laughs> he's FA Cup half full is what. <laughs> yes. Uh, All right. Ready for music? Do it. Later, bud. See ya. Meet the suckers. Meet the suckers, a soccer podcast.